the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and the next in line to buy Twitter. I don't know if you heard about it, but uh, Elon Musk is pulling out of the Twitter deal, basically saying that uh, Twitter won't faithfully disclose how many fake accounts it has. It might have only a couple of real accounts, right? Maybe most of Twitter is fake. That could be the way it goes. That means its value has gone from $44 or $44 billion to $68, which incidentally is the same price Justice Kavanaugh spent on his steak he didn't get to eat at Morton's yesterday. Uh, you know. But them's the breaks. That's how it goes uh, out there. Anyway, welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you. It is Open Phone Friday. You can call about anything that is on your mind. Lots of big stories today that you want to talk about, so we will talk about those. But on Fridays, we'll change the subject and talk about what you would like to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Easy way to remember it is 888-LA-TALKS. 888-LA-TALKS. Talks. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Lots of things on the, in the news today. In a moment, we'll talk about uh, Biden's comments about uh, Roe versus Wade today and also talk about a ruling in Wisconsin about ballot drop boxes. And they're actually very related. I'm going to talk to you about that and why that is. And there is a major news story, a sad story about the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister uh, Shinto Abe and uh, other stuff going on today. So we'd love to hear what is on your mind as we talk about these things. 888-528-2557. As we do every Friday, most Fridays, you can call up and uh, change the subject. I'm the host. We'll get us right back on whatever subject uh, we're going to talk about anyway. That's how it works around here, okay? But them's the breaks. 888-528-2557. All right, so President Biden today... Uh, has been under a lot of pressure to do something in response to the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe versus Wade. And there's not a lot the president can do. When he actually says there's not a lot I can do, he's correct. There's not a lot that he can actually do constitutionally. Theoretically, the Congress might be able to actually pass national laws um, allowing for abortion. That would be taken up with uh, in courts most likely, but uh, there is something the Congress can do. But a theme that I think is a national theme with respect to some of these court decisions and with what we're seeing even in state court decisions is state legislatures and the United States Congress as a legislative body, they don't want to do their jobs. And what is behind all of this? Yes, abortion has an awful lot, is you know, is a major topic and has significant ramifications. And the ballot box issue that was decided uh, against ballot boxes in Wisconsin, not ballot boxes, like you can still vote, the, the drop boxes, you know, the, those little metal things you can dr- drop your ballots off in. The Wisconsin Supreme Court said that those are illegal. But there is something that's behind that that I think is important for us to understand and whatever conversations we might have about it with other people. And also because if we're going to bring our country back together, you know, if there is a place to do that, and I believe that there is, we have to come back to 
what the documents actually say. How is our country supposed to work? And that is what is underneath a lot of these things. This is President Biden today, and he is talking about the Supreme Court's decision. You know, let me close with this. The court and its allies are committed to moving America backwards with fewer rights, less autonomy, and politicians invading their most personal decisions. Remember the reason of the decision has an impact much beyond Roe and the right to privacy generally. Marriage equality, contraception, and so much more is at risk. He doesn't mention there, by the way, that the decision specifically protects those rights. And uh, so does Clarence Thomas, by the way, in what he wrote as a concur- concurring opinion. But he, what Clarence Thomas is talking about when he says we need to go review some of the cases that deal with those things, it has to do with technical Supreme Court decision making that's about getting things back to the, converse, to, the uh, uh, to the Constitution. Clarence Thomas is not against interracial marriage. He's in one. It would be ridiculous for him to say, I don't think that uh, we should have that. That would mean his marriage is invalid. That's not what he's saying when he says we need to go back and look at some of these cases. What he's saying is that the way they were decided was also not constitutional. It was not based upon uh, the way our laws are written. And in fact, that's what puts them in jeopardy. And that's, you know, it gets a lot more technical when you get into that. But this this line here that the president uses and many uses is, many people are using, is just, you know, political and uh, fearful. It's it's I don't think it's unlikely that some case could happen in the future that would say uh, reverse the gay marriage decision, okay, the Obergefell decision. And that's because it was decided not – it was decided in a way that went against the states. All these states had been voting on that, and they voted no. And then uh, it went to the Supreme Court, and a uh, somewhat conservative Justice Kennedy said, you know what, it's legal everywhere. And the question is – is that the decision for the Supreme Court to make, or do legislatures have to make that decision? People who are voted on, okay, by voters. And that's the that's the legal question that is kind of away from the moral questions that are here. And so there's, I think when most of us talk about these decisions and we look at the stuff, we've got moral questions, we've got lots of other questions, and the court weighs those things for sure. But deep down, there is an, an argument going on in a way left at, between left and right, about constitutional originalists and how much the court can actually do. The United States Supreme Court, instead of sending abortion back to the states to be decided, they could have said, nope, we've decided a new way of determining whether abortion is legal. They could have taken the Roe versus Wade approach and done their own version. They could have said, we've decided that uh, first trimester abortions are okay, but second and third trimester abortions are not, and we confer constitutional rights on a child who is uh, in a fetus that is 12 weeks old or older. They could have done that. They could have said there's constitutional rights for any unborn child from uh, conception going forward. They could have done that. That would have been essentially doing the same thing that Roe did. Instead, what they did was they said the Constitution says that there are rights that are not listed in the Constitution, but those have to be determined by the states, so we're kicking it back to the states. That's what they did. And that's why in California, abortions are still going to be legal, but they're not going to be legal in Alabama. And there'll be different laws in different states, and there'll be statewide disagreements and arguments and and different things, but they're going to happen on a more local level. Let me continue with Biden's conversation here, or his, his comments today. This decision affects everyone, unrelated to choice, beyond choice, 
We cannot allow an out-of-control Supreme Court, working in conjunction with extremist elements of the Republican Party, to take away freedoms. Is that comment any different than Donald Trump saying that the election is illegitimate because there's some problems with the way it was run? I'm just saying, let's keep going. And our personal autonomy. The choice we face as a nation between the mainstream and the extreme, between moving forward and moving backwards, between allowing politicians to enter the most personal parts of our lives and protecting the right of privacy. Yes. Yes. Embedded in our Constitution. The Supremes say no. This is a choice. This is a moment. The moment. The moment to restore the rights that have been taken away from us. And the moment to protect our nation from an extremist agenda that is antithetical to everything we believe as Americans. The, you know, the interesting thing about that to me is that Americans don't see it this way. Americans are very divided on the subject. Some Americans see it as very extremist. Other, uh, most Americans, when you actually get down to what the court did, they kind of agree. You know, most Americans, the majority of Americans agree that first trimester abortions should be legal. That's the opinion of most Americans in, I think, every poll that's out there. But also in in every poll that's out there, second and third trimester abortions, there should be restrictions. And most Americans believe that. This whole idea that this is just some wild extremist thing, it's hard to say when there's people on both sides who have an awful lot of nuance, but actually there's a lot of agreement. And I'm not saying I agree with, with that. That's just the statistics out there. And, you know, there's just a lot of politics with this. But what concerns me is that we're not understanding the role of the court. Here's something else the president said. Let's be clear about something from the very start. This was not a decision driven by the Constitution. Let me say it again. This was not a decision driven by the Constitution. And that's a place where I would have to disagree And in fact, many liberal scholars and justices also disagree. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late Ruth Gator, Ruth, Ruth, what am I, I'm blanking on her name, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, she thought, now she was fully in favor morally of abortions and she thought they should be legal, but she did not like the Roe decision. She thought that what's happening today is exactly what could happen because it was not a good decision. It was not really driven by the Constitution. This This is. Now, I'm going to tell you how this relates to uh, the Wisconsin decision today that has nothing to do with abortions, but it has to do with whether or not it is legal to have drop boxes all over the state that happened in many states, including ours. This only applies to Wisconsin at this point. We'll have to see where the laws go. But in the 2020 election, um, there were these drop boxes. If you remember, everybody in, in many states got mailed a ballot. In some states, you had to request absentee ballots. A lot of people did that more than usual because of the restrictions, the COVID restrictions in 2020. In some states like ours, everybody got a ballot. Now, moving forward in our state, everybody gets a ballot. If you're a registered voter, everybody gets a ballot mailed to you. So the issue that it brings up is chain of custody. Who can turn in that ballot? What's the rules for it? How does it work? And there's a lot of questions about that. But what is going on is in the Wisconsin things, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said that these ballot boxes, so they're talking about the drop boxes. Did you drop your ballot off at a box, like at a library or just on a street corner? In some places, it looks like a little mailbox. In my neighborhood, there was this, like a bin, like it just looks like a mail bin and it was open and you just toss it in there at the library. And I thought, that's just the oddest thing because I could reach in there and pull ballots out if I wanted to. And I, I, I'm not a, 
a big fan. I am a big fan of finding easier ways for people to vote. I do like that. I think we need to make sure that we're doing that. But it also needs to be legal, and it needs to be something that when people claim, and people on both sides in different elections claim that the other side is cheating or that the election is fraudulent, we have to find a way to um, make sure that 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 kind of accusation just doesn't fly with anybody. Well, with the, the ballots, the problem is is that what they found in Wisconsin is that they actually went against state law. See, the way that you make it legal is you just have to follow the laws. And laws are passed by legislative branches in states just like the Congress. And what the Wisconsin Supreme Court did was they said, hey, the Wisconsin Election Commission, which is an unelected group of people in the executive branch, people just appointed there by the governor – They came up with their own rules for drop boxes that actually were against the written laws passed by the legislature for how to vote. Now, what this does not do is it doesn't mean you're going to overturn the Wisconsin election in 2020 or all of that kind of stuff. But it does mean going forward, at least in the short term, they're not going to have these drop boxes. However, the legislature could go back in and change it and make the drop boxes legal. So but this is what I think is the most significant part of this case. And I took some time this morning to read it. By the way, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. In the Wisconsin case, here's the line that I think is really important. They said, well, they, meaning the ballot drop boxes, while the ballot drop boxes might be a simple solution. So the dissenters in the case, it was four to three, Uh, with the more conservative justices uh, ruling against the drop boxes. The liberal justices said, hey, this was a simple solution to helping more people vote. And the idea is if we want more people to vote, then there ought to be, it ought to be easy to turn your ballot back in. Okay. But this is what they said. While the, the ballot drop boxes might be a simple solution, the decision to devise solutions to make voting easier belongs to the legislature, not the Wisconsin Election Commission, and certainly not the judiciary. While the dissenters would permit ballot drop boxes, the court must respect the constitutional restraints on our power and refuse to act as a super legislature. It poses a grave threat to democracy to mislead the people into believing we are one. I thought that was a great statement, and it applies to all of this stuff. It applies to the Roe versus Wade decision. Uh, The Dobbs case is what it is uh, now. It applies to so many different arguments that are happening with respect to the Supreme Court, but also local courts, is that if we are expecting the courts to create law, if we are expecting the courts to be, as they say, a super legislature, meaning that they have to take what did not pass the legislature, that was an executive order or something done by the EPA, or in this case in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Election Commission, if they have to be the ones to determine whether or not these things are are laws or not, they're not doing their job. They're, we're the judiciary. They're supposed to take laws passed by the legislature and determine whether or not they're constitutional, but they're not supposed to be writing the laws. And that's the thing. So in the Wisconsin case, the statutes in the Wisconsin law says you can't have these ballot boxes because it says that the Only people who are family members can return absentee ballots, and they have to do it in person, either at the registrar of voters or at a staffed uh, ballot box drop that might be somewhere else. There are very specific rules for the returning of these ballots. And the Wisconsin Election Commission said, no, we can put ballots up all all over the state. 
and uh, that'll be fine. The problem is it was against the law. That's what they decided. And really what they're saying is, hey, if you want to have ballot boxes everywhere, you got to follow the law. And the legislature has to make these decisions. You can't do it by memos, which is how the Wisconsin Election Committee did it. And that's how it got done in a lot of places. And you can understand why it happened. It happened because there's 2020 and people are locked at home. And there's, you know, there's legitimate reasons why people said, hey, let's try to make voting easier. But the way our country works and the way we get back to some kind of level of decency is we still have to follow the law and we have to follow the structure, and the structure is this. The legislature, who you vote for, passes the laws. The governor signs them. Then they go into law. Then if somebody doesn't like it and thinks that they are um, unconstitutional, they can file a lawsuit, and then it goes to the judiciary. That's the way our country works. That's the checks and balance. And then if the judiciary says no to the legislature— The legislature, or in some states, the voters can pass a constitutional amendment, and you can make it constitutional if you want to. That could happen with abortion. It's not going to because the votes aren't there, but right now the United States Congress could get started, or even a group of states, if there were enough, could get a constitutional amendment started to make abortion a constitutional right. And if enough states ratified that, it would become that, and then the Supreme Court would be out of it because their job would be to protect the Constitution. See, that's the check. It's checks and balances. They have the check on the, on the court. If you don't like what the court's doing, you got to have a constitutional amendment, ultimately. If the court says it's not a legitimate, it's against the Constitution, or the, the law isn't defined a certain way, their job is not to rewrite the law. Their job is to send it back to the legislature and say, nope, this law doesn't work. you got to redo it, or you can't do it. If that's the case, are you are you following me here? The reason I think this is important is because we get so far out of whack on a lot of uh, this stuff and the emotion, particularly of abortion or particularly of some of these other topics, that we we don't see that the solution is just in getting back to how we are supposed to govern. And I think one of the problems is is that our legislatures in many states and our Congress, they don't want to do the job, and it's very convenient to let the president or the governor or the Supreme Court make the the legislative decisions, and then they don't have to vote on it. They can just raise money on it one way or the other. See what I'm saying? So these things are important to understand. This is how our country runs. And one of the reasons I think we're so divided is we've lost touch with how things actually are meant to get done in a permanent way. All right, that's what went on here. I'll get to your calls here. It's 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, it is Open Line Friday, so we can uh, change the conversation if you'd like to. 888-528-2557 is the number. Let's go to Victoria in Laguna Beach. Welcome to Southern California Live, Victoria. Thank you. Um, okay, a couple of things. I just have it. First, I have a question on what were you asking? You said when Biden said something about how he was saying the what the decision was on abortion on Roe v. Wade or something was not constitutional. Is that it, you said? How is that different than Donald Trump saying the election was stolen? And then you also said, um, I believe I agree with you in terms of the constitutionality of um, the Supreme Court has to interpret it according to the Constitution. They decision willy-nilly and decide, no, we don't think it should be this way, we think it should be that way. They don't make laws, interpret laws. So you said a couple of different things that confused me, because one of the things you were saying, you said the Supreme Court could have decided this, and they could have done this, but they didn't. 
they sent it back to the states, and I believe that they did the constitutional thing. Um, but I wasn't clear on what you were saying about the speech and how, how what Biden said was different than Trump. Okay. And thirdly, I wanted to say really quickly, because I know you got to go, I wanted to say that um, this situation in Wisconsin was absolutely correct, because they were supposed to go by the legislature, not the electoral committee. And I think what's probably, you said very clearly, uh, just a few seconds ago, you said that the people in this country are all emotional about it, and nobody's talking about what the, how we're supposed to run things in this country. And I think that goes back to what happened when we took out civics, the class called civics, in our schools at a young, like seventh grade, they're supposed to have civics, or sixth grade or something. We don't do that anymore, and that's where we've gotten, we've gotten astray from what's real. And all these decades-long um, of improper, uh, you know, interpretations and improper uh, ac- actions without being held to the Constitution and what the founders of our republic had intended, I think that's why there's a lot of confusion. So that's my comment, but I did want your clarification on what you were trying to say about comparing Trump's statement about the election to what Biden said about the, the decision. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Victoria, for your call. I appreciate that. And I'll try to get to this real quick before the break. Um, and you're right about the civics. All of this is could be solved by a, a very good national civics lesson. The problem is that for decades we haven't had that in schools. And we are we are are not informing and teaching our people how the country actually operates. And so what a lot of people are asking for is something that is not really possible. It doesn't really work unless you're just going to ignore the laws. And if you do that, then you have all kinds of chaos. It's just uh, it's a disaster, and uh, uh, that'll take us down a whole nother road. What I meant by by comparing it to uh, the Donald Trump claims, when President Biden or others are just saying that this decision is not legitimate, some people are saying uh, the Supreme Court is not legitimate, um, and they just question the legitimacy of it, or they they will not talk about the facts of the case, and they bring other things up. One of the problems for President Trump in the election is stolen kind of narrative is that still in the same way, our courts have to decide based on facts and figures. You can't go into court and say, well, I have a hunch that this was not done properly. You have to be able to prove it. And until really the Wisconsin one today, this is the first court case that actually has said, no, some of these votes uh, were not legally cast. It doesn't mean that they weren't real people voting and it doesn't show who they voted for and it doesn't show that it wasn't somebody who legitimately wanted to have – it doesn't show any of that. It just shows that these laws were were not legal. Um, these ballot boxes, these drop boxes were not legal in the state of Wisconsin. That's what it was decided. And what I meant by the Biden comment was – even on the side, if you're watching these cases, we you have to be on the side of evidence just because you might even be right or you might have a hunch. I think Donald Trump truly believes the election was stolen from him. If there are more and more of these cases, you know, I don't think you're ever going to know because you can't really track those ballots. But you could argue that there were a whole lot of illegal ballots across the country that were um, uh, – you know, uh, given the same way as this. We don't know what those ballots said. That's that's where the problems are. And whatever side you're on, on these kinds of issues, we have to make sure that we're still a people of law and evidence. And that's what I'm trying to say, is that there's a hypocrisy, I think, on the one hand of people saying uh, Donald Trump is just lying about this stuff, but at the same time, I'm going to go out and say that the Supreme Court is not legitimate. Also, that's not true. And you are you are 
not able to do if the Supreme Court's not legitimate. Okay, we'll bring that up in the Congress. Let's uh, get these people out. Let's figure out why it's not legitimate. Well, nobody's going to do that because it's not true. There's no evidence for that. There's frustration. There was politics. There was things. Does that make sense? Anyway, you can call back and clear if you need more clarity to that. What I'm saying to us, and in particular for those of us who are believers, and I got to go, I think that we have an opportunity, whoever we are really, to be light, to be agents of bringing people back together, not making everybody agree, but to the path at getting back to some normalcy and some unity in the bigger issues of our country. We've got issues of war coming. We've got issues of the economy that are a big deal. Um, The election issues are a big deal. The um, abortion issue is a big deal. How are we going to move forward together? My My thought is we get back to what the Constitution says and we make the legislatures do their job. And stop letting the legislatures from both parties, because both parties do it, cast their stuff upon the court to get it done. I got to go for a break. The number is 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. Open phone Friday. You can call about whatever you'd like. 888-528-2557. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. Open line Friday. You can call with whatever is on your mind, it can be a subject that we are talking about right now. You can change the subject. It can be a Bible question. It can be a question about current events. It can be just something that is on your mind. That's what today is about, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Let's go to Susan in Woodland Hills. Susan, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, my name is Susan, and thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I uh, was uh, calling about the ADA. Okay. Um, Americans with Disabilities Act. Is that right? Right. I was wondering, because they they got my son. He has a small business. And when they got him, uh, I met other people that was getting, when they served them, they said hundreds of these are going out daily. They're taking measurements on aisles in the store. They're taking, going in the store and making sure your your bathroom mirror is uh-huh. down low enough. They're suing you for everything. And these are small businesses. He ain't even been in business for a year yeah. uh, i mean for uh, two years so they talked to the lawyers the lawyer said this is a very aggressive law firm and everybody's kind of scared to touch it because it's handicapped but they're doing everybody and the guy said the lawyer said you'll pay me thirty thousand to prove that you got it he does have it but there's no way to prove it unless you go through court and you have to pay thirty thousand and then uh you win but you might as well get the hit that they're giving you and pay the 10000 that they're trying to get from all these people. Mm. The man told me when he came in, he said, we're giving these out cut by the hundred yeah. every day. Yeah. What do you do about that? Well, uh, Susan, let me, uh, let me catch people up a little bit on it. The Americans with Disabilities Act was signed uh, back in uh, by the first President Bush, actually, in 1991 or two, I think. And basically what it says is if you've got a place of business, you have to make sure that it's accessible for people with disabilities. So that's why you have, uh, you know, handicapped doors. We're allowed to say, what do we say now? I don't think we're allowed to even say that anymore. Um, Whatever the proper word is, you know, we have to have doors that uh, open up for people. And that's why you see that in lots of places. So the, the trouble for businesses is that if you've put together your business, you've built out the inside of the store, um, or you've done any, sometimes you've had a business for a long time and then there's some construction or something that you did. If you upgraded your store and your store was, say your store 
uh, was built before 1990, uh, whenever this act was signed. And it wasn't accessible then. It's still okay you're grandfathered in. But if you upgrade it to a certain amount, certain degree, your store, like you upgraded your bathrooms or something, now they have to be uh, ADA compliant. And if you don't do that, there's lots of fines and lawsuits. And it sounds like, Susan, you've got some family who are uh, dealing with this. Is that right? You said your son, I think. Right. And the, and the problem is he is ADA. But oh. there's no way to prove it by giving him a paper. Even the the people that set it up, you can't, you can't just prove it to them because you have to pay out more money to prove it than you have if you just take the hits. But what they're telling me are... They're looking up people that are uh, that are need the assessments, um, and they're getting their money along with them getting them. I mean, it's like you can get another. One guy told okay. me he even got two three times. So you have a law firm that's going after small businesses because they're not ADA compliant. Is that right? Right, but my son is ADA compliant, and he talked to the lawyer, and the lawyer said, the lawyer said that he should uh, go ahead and take the hit. Because you'll have to pay more money. Right. You'll have to pay more money to, uh, you know, to prove it. Right. And you don't pay $30,000 out to prove it mm. when you could have just paid um, you could have just paid the seven. Well, what they asked him is 10000 Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, I think that is what a lot of businesses have had to go through. And there sounds like there's an aggressive law firm who's making money off of this and basically uh, getting involved this way. I guess what I would do, you know, you know, um, Susan, I would. I don't know. I guess I would maybe start with the, uh, the 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 city attorney or the bar association and just see if there is a um, an ethical complaint you can make against this law, this uh, this company. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what yeah. I would I would look into. Is there an ethical complaint I can make in the right place? Um, because somebody's just making money. This this happens. Thank you, Susan, for your call. I'm sorry that that's going on with your son. Okay, and who do who did you say I should get? You know what? Start with the the Bar Association, okay, and okay. the American Bar Association. Uh, are you you're in Woodland Hills, so, so Los Angeles County, um, or even the uh, the city attorney, and just start there. See if you can find uh, a way to do that. That's where I would start. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, you know, he got to pay ten thousand now. And then they said that they could come back and reissue it on another person. Yep, it's a it's a big problem, and a lot of business owners are going through it. Thank you, Susan, for your call. I'm sorry about that. We looked at at uh, the church where I was a pastor at redoing some bathrooms, and we brought in a contractor, and uh, he went into the bathroom and he came out laughing out loud, and he said, "Well, he says the problem is is that if you redo these bathrooms, they're going to have to be ADA compliant." He said, "The funny part is, he said you do have." Uh, bathroom stalls that are, you know, the right kind for disabilities has got the bars in there and everything uh, and room. He goes, but the doorway to your bathroom is not even wide enough for a wheelchair. So it doesn't even make any sense. And you'd have to tear out the whole bathroom and it was going to cost $100,000. So uh, they didn't do it. Uh, that would be their reason. 888-528-2557. It's open line Friday. You can call with whatever you'd like to call about. Let's go to Oscar in Baldwin Park. Welcome to Southern California Live, Oscar. How are you today? Good, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I want to talk about abortion. Um, first of all, I'll say I, I do believe in a woman's right to choose. But my, my thing to that is why don't these, a lot of these women choose not to get pregnant in the first place so they won't put themselves in that position to begin with, you know, put that anguish on themselves. 
you know, because, I, you know, I believe one time maybe happens, whatever. But I know, I, personally, I know cause a lot of women, my, some women in my family have had multiple abortions. Mm. You know, that's just not being, respons- not being responsible, you know. And um, that's what I see, you know. And uh, the whole thing, I believe, you know, there should be a certain a time. Like, I think the lo- basic average laws were like 12 weeks, something like that. And uh, I don't know. But I don't, I'll be honest, I'm not too educated about it. But all I know is what I heard is that it was getting to a point where it's only eight, nine months where they could get an abortion. By that time, that's a baby. You know, that's already a baby, and there's right. a lot of family, uh, couples out there that, that need that can have children, or maybe they lost a child, or, or, or just want to take care of a baby. And I just want to ask your opinion. You think there would be a time when the government maybe could pay these women to maybe give their baby up for adoption, where they kind of get something out of it, and, and you know, that's it. That'll be it. I kind of work with them too, or something. Like, kind of give them a kick down so they can have the baby, and, and you know, because there's a lot of families out there that that want children. You know, so. Yeah. You know, I believe in a woman's right to choose. I think they should have a right to choose. But when it becomes a multiple thing, too, when having multiple abortions and stuff, that's got to be an issue, too. There's really some kind of law. Against, they're not just being they're not being responsible. You know, you got to. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. They, they just want to choose not to get pregnant in the first place. So they won't put themselves in that position. Right. All right, Oscar. So I got, yeah, I appreciate yeah, your call you. on that. And, uh, you know, Oscar, a lot of people are are asking that you know, interesting thing. About this, I read last night a story about uh, a bunch of women who went to a retreat uh, and got angry about the Roe versus Wade decision, came back with a list of demands for any guy who uh, they might want to be intimate with, okay, to have sex with. And the rules said, if you're going to do this with me, you have to commit to me in case we get pregnant. You have to take care of the baby. You have to uh, raise the baby. You have to be a father. You have to do all this stuff. And they said, we want to take this to a lawyer and see if we can get this uh, to be a law because there should be that kind of commitment. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Uh, There already is a law about that. It's called marriage, and you can make that contract. And uh, there you go. So it's, you know, you talked about personal responsibility. That's one of the Uh, issues here. When people are talking about abortion and abortion rights, we're often hearing the stories about um, uh, difficult or uh, potentially deadly or deadly pregnancies, uh, issues of rape and incest. Should there be um, uh, allowances for that? And people are going to debate those things. But most abortions are, are children who are conceived because people chose to have sex uh, for fun. And, um, and the baby would most likely be healthy. And uh, um, what you're getting at here is that we are trying to avoid the responsibility for our behavior that leads to the pregnancy. I think that in all of this, you mentioned the idea that maybe the government could help pay some money for adoptions and to help raise the kid. I think that there is a whole lot that we should be looking at to help uh, women uh, take care of their babies. And part of it is making the men responsible, whoever the fathers are. You know, as technology is moving forward, you can often do a paternity test now, not just on the Maury show. He's going off the air. But now you can do one, I think, even before the baby's born. And um, I would say the the father needs to be held responsible. One of the reasons that there's a lot of crisis pregnancies is because the father decides he doesn't want anything to do with it and he's out. Um, And that's what makes it a crisis pregnancy. This is an area of personal responsibility. You you find out when you get into the scriptures and what it has to say about sexual relations that it is made for a married couple and to be um, restrained into a husband and a wife who are married. Um, The Bible turns out to be right, doesn't it, ultimately? 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I got to take a break. I'll be right back with your calls. Don't go away. 
You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. Friday afternoon, beautiful day in Southern California, 888-528-2557, open phone Friday. You can call about whatever it is that is on your mind. Lots of things going on in the news. Of course, we'll talk about that and continue to do that in the next hour, 888-528-2557. Let's go to Nate in Long Beach. Welcome to Southern California Live, Nate. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah. How you doing? uh, All right. Uh, My question is about marriage. uh... I refused to sign papers for a divorce, and uh, hmm. my wife kind of went behind my back and filed anyway. I'm sorry about so that. My question, yeah, me too. Um, my question was, am I ineligible for remarriage to be married? You know what I mean? Or, or did I just mess up my whole little life by marrying the wrong person? Well, I mean, obviously there's some uh, there's some personal details here. How long ago did this happen? Well, it just was finalized December 28th. Okay, the divorce was final, and why did she do that? Uh, well, I don't know. You know, she put irreconcilable differences, but uh, really, she got a job and made a lot of money. I was kind of full of her, her. Her head blew up, and she's a little younger than me, so in my opinion, she wanted to, you know, live life single and free. She didn't want to be married. Is the reason? No, we was we was together for about fifteen years, so hey, maybe she got tired of me or got tired of the whole marriage concept. I don't know. Now, you, you know, in these questions, the adultery question has to be asked, you know, so I don't know if you want to talk about that. Is she accusing you of adultery? No, that's not the case at all. All right. Um, it, I was, uh, everything was going good. Uh, it was no problem. All right. Have is uh, Has she committed adultery? Not to my knowledge. Is she with another uh, guy now? Yes. Uh, she's with This is her second one. She was with somebody right directly after. She got pregnant, uh, had a uh, miscarriage or abortion, I think, or a miscarriage, and then he cheated on her, and now she was single. Now she's with another person. All right. Um, you know, we would want to have, you know, a lot of more personal conversation than we would do here on the radio. But a couple things I'd say to you is, first of all, get in your Bible and be in prayer about it and read what Jesus has to say about divorce, Okay. And, you know, in, in this case, I don't know where, where Jesus views the, the marriage to be broken at the legal, uh, divorce. In this case, it's not a biblical divorce from her side. You didn't want to get divorced, right? No, not at all. Um, and so she had no biblical reason to divorce you at all. Um, there's no sense of that if there's no adultery there. And, uh, she, was she accusing you of abuse or anything like that? No, 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 not at all. She just didn't want to be married. I mean, I, 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 that's the only thing I could think of, you know. She came back one time and, you know, she was like, do you want your wife back? And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, because I've been trying to fight to get her back. But then when I told her I didn't want any, you know, guys calling that we're going to do this. We need to, you know, make sure that we clean free from all the people we're dating. And she kind of turned her back and didn't didn't want to be told what to do, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I would say in her case, she's the one who's committed adultery, you know, without knowing a lot of the details, um, that your your marriage is broken in God's eyes because she's committed adultery. Okay. Um, I think that whatever, 
the Lord always wants there to be the possibility of reconciliation. Okay, Jesus said in Matthew 19, uh, verse 8, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives from the beginning. It was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her, uh, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Um, you know, I think that if you reverse that, it probably is still the same. Okay, that she committed adultery. God doesn't like divorce. I mean, that at the end of the day, that's something to always keep in the back of your mind. He allowed it. He allowed Moses to do it because of the hardness of the hearts of the people. And for many, I know many are listening who have gone through divorce, and I know people who have gone through divorce, and especially when there's adultery and other things, the it's very hard to reconcile once that happens. Uh, very, very uh, so hard. Um, in your opinion, do you think I can remarry? Well, that's what I, based on what you're telling me, I would say yes, but what I would do is I would get with you with the Scripture, and I would really get into it. I would remind you that... Uh, if reconciliation is possible, and it may not be, that's something to to look at, and you can read um, parts of the Bible about that that are uh, pretty profound. But uh, from what you're saying, I would say that you're free to do that, but you need to be right with the Lord, and you need to make sure that whoever you're pursuing, that uh, you uh, don't have sex until you're married with that person, and okay. you pursue that person as a Christian man. And you do those things being right with God. You know, what I tell any couple is uh, you need to be right with God um, before you get married. And your, mm-hmm. your, your honeymoon can't be business as usual. Uh, it's okay to be a, to date. It's okay to be attracted and to be um, uh, very interested in somebody sexually. But your maturity in Christ, your obedience to Christ is what matters and you pursue somebody and you wait until marriage. And then when you're married, that's it for life. That's the commitment you're making. Yeah, right. so that's the first time. See, and that's, uh, the, that's the commitment that Jesus made to you when he died on the cross. And you commit to him and you, in that, that metaphor, you get married. He's not divorcing you. All right. right. And if you divorce him, you know, that's the one thing where if you've, you know, where you um, may not have been saved, right, is that you run away from Christ once you know and understand his his blessings and stuff. It gets real complicated, but, um, you know, I would go talk to a pastor about it and really get into all the, the details and make sure that your heart is right with the Lord and that you're right scripturally. All right, Nate? Uh, thank you, bro. All right, thank you for calling Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, and it's open line Friday. Uh, let's go to um, Diane in Yorba Linda. Diane, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. My my uh, comment is going to sound like nothing too important after Nate. <laughs> right. I understand um, that. Um, I just really wanted to get your opinion comments on in this new culture of everybody. Well, not everybody, but especially the um, LGBT. All the alphabet letters. That one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Community. Um, wanting to use the pronoun of their choice. And um, at, at where I work, I work with kids um, in a group home. And the kids are pretty well-versed in all of their rights. Mm-hmm. And um, getting a little the, concerned. How old are the kids? Um, they're less than 18. Okay. All ages less than 18. 
And so when when a child tells you, I want to be, you know, let's say it's a it's a girl that I'm talking to and she wants to be called they or them. My pronouns that I prefer are they, them. And you accidentally, you know, uh-huh. call her a she because she looks like a girl. Right. Um, you know, are there is there any kind of recourse that those adults, us adults that um, don't see kids as they and them or he when they're really a she and so forth to do to just be more, you know, I don't know protect ourselves like do we have any rights as well yeah well that is a a big question and that is going through the courts in some uh respect and i think it's going to be a big fight for a while um and we're seeing on this art this issue of uh gender uh there's a there's a trendiness side to this right it's that that person might want to be they them you know this week but next week they might be something else um right i mean so there there are so many different um, problems with all of this. What I would say is, is number one, uh, people are male and female and gender is not, you know, the, what's happening in the culture with the, um, theory, we'll call it. Okay. It's applied postmodernism. If you get into the, the details of it is that it allows you to change the meaning of words just because you want to. Um, mm-hmm. and we're changing the meaning of pronouns because it fits a narrative that we want to have. And what's interesting is that if I change the meaning to a word that is just language, um, right now I can force you, I guess, to have to do it back, which doesn't really make any sense. And I think at the end of the day, this probably uh, uh, goes away. But um, what I would do in the short, this is a place you work. Yes. All right. I would, uh, are you the boss or do you have a boss? Well, no, All right. I'm not the boss. All right. You know what? Uh, find out what your policy is. Figure out the best way to love one of these kids. And mm-hmm. one way around it is to just call them by their name all the time. And that okay. might take That's some use idea. to getting used to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for me, I just can't do it on the, I try to respect. And I think if it's somebody that I know and I'm close to, you know, it's different, um, but you're in a situation where your your job is at stake, but you need to stand up for what is correct. And with mm-hmm. kids, really with anybody, I think part of what we have to stand up for is what is true. I don't I don't think this whole thing is going in a place that's actually going to be helpful to people later. I think later it's going to be cause a lot of pain um, when you're trying to live in a reality that doesn't exist. Eventually, reality smacks you in the face. Uh, reality is persistent. Reality bats last. And when we give in to a false reality, uh, I think we're hurting people in the long run. We're not helping them. I got to go to a break, Diane. It's a great call. It's a great subject matter um, that uh, we need a whole segment on, maybe a whole show on at another time. I got to go to a break. We'll be back for open line Friday and I'll take your calls. I know you've been holding for a while. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.